Jesus, we're broken. We've fallen on our knees. We cry out, please forgive us. To the Prince of Peace. So I'm just sitting here in my work ute, just finished a big job and enjoying a little bit of worship music. And today we're continuing our series in Haggai. Um, Haggai, we started it last week with Phil Strong and today we're looking at where Haggai fits in in regard to the, the rest of the story of the Bible. Um, and so, but I just want to as I was listening to worship music there, just remind you that the, the story of Haggai is a call to rebuild the temple. And the call to rebuild the temple was actually a call to worship. You see, the temple is synonymous with worship. Um, back in the days of the Old Testament, better put my handbrake on, um, back in the days of the Old Testament, the um, People would go to Jerusalem, they would go to the temple in order to worship. And Haggai 2 verse 7 says this, I will fill my house with glory, says the Lord God Almighty. So the temple was where the presence of God was. And people would go to the temple in order to worship God. Which is quite different to the way we consider worship now. And um, we, and we look at some of, something that Jesus said um, shows us what the difference is. And he's in John chapter 4, he's talking to a woman at a well in Samaria. And, and the woman says this, Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. But you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. And when she says Jerusalem, they're talking specifically about the temple. You would go to Jerusalem, which was where the temple was, in order to worship. And, and Jesus says this, confirming that, that this was the way that worship was done then. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. Yet a time is coming and has now come where true worshippers will worship the the Father in spirit and in truth. And praise God for Jesus that now we worship him in spirit and in truth. So we don't have to go to Jerusalem in order to worship God. We can worship God sitting on the side of the road in a vet ute after doing a big job. And so Thank you, Jesus, for that. But yeah, back to Haggai. It's a story about the call to rebuild the temple. So it's about the call to worship. So the call to rebuild the temple is the call to worship. Um, so God wanted a place for his presence to be. So he's called his prophet Haggai to speak to the people to tell them to get on with rebuilding the temple. And the, today's message, I'm going to look at the temple as it relates to worship, but look at the history of the temple. So where did this temple come from? Well, to understand the temple, we need to go back in the history of Israel to the time where they were a nomadic people 
wandering through the desert. So they've escaped from Egypt um, under Moses and they're wandering through the desert. And the presence of God goes with them as a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day. And what they do is they build this tent of meeting um, according to what God has prescribed to house the presence of God. It's a, if you like, this tent of meeting is a precursor to the temple. And the reason it's a tent is because the people were a nomadic people. They were wandering from place to place. They hadn't come to the promised land where they could settle. Um, and if you've noticed, buildings like temples are not very portable. They're kind of big and, and heavy. Um, whereas a tent you can move from place to place and today I'm in Fokamaru Reserve and if I'd come here in summer there would have been tents everywhere um, but it's coming up into winter now it's late May um, and there's one tent down there and there's a camper van over there somewhere but um, not really camping weather and not whether I would be camping in it but Good job for these people who are enjoying camping and this time of year. Uh, they certainly have the place to themselves. So anyway, they've built this tent of meeting to house the presence of God. Now I want to read to you from Exodus 33, 7. Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the tent camp. So this tent of meeting was outside of the camp, it was outside of where they would normally go. So it wasn't like they would just be walking around doing their day-to-day -day business and suddenly they'd find themselves in the tent of meeting in the presence of God. No, they had to make a deliberate effort. If they wanted to inquire of God, if they wanted to seek God's face, they had to make a deliberate effort to go outside of what they would normally do in their day-to-day -day thing, to go out into this tent of meeting, which is some distance outside the camp, in order to inquire of God. And you know it's the same for us today. We're not just going to fall over God and the things that we're doing. We have to make a deliberate effort to seek Him out, um, to go to prayer meetings, to go to church, to meet together in table groups, to seek out His presence, to read our Bibles. Um, it's something that needs to be a deliberate practice. So I just want you to pause the video now and discuss amongst yourself what deliberate actions do we have in our lives or what deliberate action do I have in my life in order to seek out the presence of God. Um, so yeah, pause the video now and discuss that. So here we're talking about deliberate actions to seek out God. Um, and the tent of meeting. So that's the origin of the temple. But before I leave Exodus, before I leave the people of Israel wandering around the desert, I want to just look a little bit further down in Exodus. Exodus 33:11. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend and he would return to the camp. So here you have Moses going out to this tent of meeting and being in the presence of God, talking to him face to face. But then look at the next bit. But his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. So Moses went he out to this tent of meeting. He, he was face to face with God, and then he went back. But this guy, Joshua, he dwelt in the presence. And look, we need to dwell in the presence of God. 
Um, and if you read the Bible a little bit more, about three or four books later, you get the book of Joshua. You see that Joshua became a mighty man of God, and that's because he dwelt in the presence of God. And if we want to become mighty men or women of God, we also need to dwell in the presence of God. And I've got a bit of a personal testimony to this. You see, I'm now employed by the church. I'm in ministry working for God, albeit part-time, um, but I'm still in a place of ministry. And God has elevated me to that place. But a lot of it's to do with the fact that all through my Christian walk, and I've been a Christian 25 odd years now, I have made a deliberate practice to dwell in his presence. I would go to all the prayer meetings, and I still do. I'll make it a discipline to go to church whenever I can, or these days meet in table groups as often as we can as well, both the temple and table. Um, exciting how God's changing the ways we're doing things, but look, it's been a deliberate practice of mine to seek out the things of God. Uh, read my Bible every day. And so likewise for us, if we are wanting God to move in our life, if we're wanting to do things for God, we also need to dwell in his presence. So Joshua, this mighty man of God, led God's people from the wilderness into the promised land. And the people were no longer had to live in tents. They were able to build houses. They were able to settle down. So you think, well, there's no need for God to be in a tent, but they left the Ark of the Covenant. They left the dwelling place of God to be in a tent for over 400 years. Um, and during that time, if you read the book of Judges, you hear that they, they didn't follow God according to the way that they should follow God. They kept on turning away from him, getting into trouble, turning back, and all this time um, the Ark of the Covenant, the Tabernacle was set up in mostly a town called Shulal. And then eventually the judges they wanted a king, so God that gave them a king, um, King Saul, who didn't work out, so followed by King David and and King David was a man after God's own heart. And he built himself a nice palace. And after he built himself a palace, he thought, actually, it's not right that here I am living in a, in a beautiful palace and God's presence is in a tent. And so he said, I'm going to build God a temple. And he was shown the place for the temple in Jerusalem. But God said to him, Actually, I know it's a good thing that you want to build me a temple, but it's not for you. That's something that I've ordained your son Solomon to do. So Solomon, his son, then in his reign as king, he built the temple. And I'm here at Rangiafia Church, at a beautiful church. Once again, a, a place where people have made a building because they want to gather together in order to worship God. But we, as I said earlier, we view it a little bit differently. We know that the, the church is just a building. Well, this is just a building. The church is the people inside it. Whereas the temple was more a place with a, a physical location where the presence of God was. Anyway, after Solomon had built the temple, God appeared to him. And in 2 Chronicles 7 verse 12, um, we read this. 
I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place my, for myself as a temple for sacrifices. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or command locusts to devour the land, or send a plague amongst my people, if my people who are called by na my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. So here he is saying, look, I have chosen to dwell in this temple and my heart is attentive to prayers made and that if my people will turn from their ways and pray in this place, I will heal from, hear from heaven and I will heal their land. And I've preached this verse before, and I, but I'm going to say it again. We need to be a praying people. If the church, if the people of God, which in New Zealand is the church, if they will come together, if they will humble themselves and pray, God will heal our land. So once again, I admonish you, be a praying people. So anyway, that's the story of how the first temple came into existence. So this is the temple before the one we find the foundations for in Haggai. And so here they've built this beautiful temple um, in Jerusalem where they can go and worship God. Um, but did they do it? No. Um, in fact, what they did is they, they used the fact that God's presence was in them, that they used the fact that this temple was there to excuse their own sin. Um, if we read Micah, which Micah's a prophet who was amongst the uh, later kings, um, so several kings after Solomon, um, and you get Micah, and he says this in chapter 3, her leaders judge for a bribe, her priests teach for a price, her prophets tell fortunes for money, yet they look to the Lord for support and say, is not the Lord among us? No disaster will come upon us. Therefore, because of you, Zion will be ploughed like a field. Jerusalem will become a heap of rubble. The Temple Hill, a mould overgrown with thickets. So the people were not worshipping God in this temple. They were not going to the temple to dwell in the presence of God. They were just using the fact that there was a temple there as an excuse to do wrong, an excuse to sin. And you know, that's possible for us as Christians too. And I've seen it. We say, well, we're, we're Christians, therefore God is with us, therefore I can go on sinning. I can go on doing the things that I want to do. And that's not the way at all. It's Christians, it means that we are sinners, saved by grace. That yes, we acknowledge that we're sinners, but the fact that we need Jesus Christ to cover our sins. And out of that, we need to repent. We need to turn from our wicked ways. And we need to go on 
to seek God, to, to go and dwell in his presence and to dwell in his, his temple. And because God was not pleased with this, he did, he sent um, Nebuchadnezzar, who is the king of Babylon, against Jerusalem. And they destroyed it. They took the people away to Babylon as exiles and they destroyed the city and the temple hill was destroyed. The that first temple that Solomon built was destroyed. It was left just a pile of dirt, a pile of thickets, a little bit like this little, this mold here behind me um, with nothing on it. And that's because of the people's disobedience. So the temple was destroyed and the people in exile. But if we go back to that scripture in um, 2 Chronicles when Solomon built the temple, it says, I have chosen this and consecrated this temple so my name may be there forever. So that particular place God has chosen is a place for his temple and it wasn't there anymore. Um, but that's obviously not a permanent solution if God says he's going to be there forever. So anyway, so 70 years later, the people are released from exile and told to go back to their nation, go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the temple. So the people went back to Jerusalem in order to build this temple to be the dwelling place of God amongst them. So if we read the book of Ezra we find out that they laid the foundations of the temple and they built an altar so they could start sacrificing to God. Um, and then if we get to chapter 4 verse 4 it says this, when the enemies of Benjamin and Judah heard the exiles were building a temple for the Lord God of Israel. And now I'm going to skip to verse 4 they set out to discourage the people of Judah and make them afraid to go on building. And that's where they stopped building. They got discouraged. They got afraid. And they stopped. So I think now's another time, good time to pause and discuss this. Is there something in your life which you've been discouraged about? Something that you felt God told you to do, but then you got discouraged and you didn't do it anymore. And look, I'll, I'll tell you my own story here as far as things that I've got discouraged about and have stopped. So several years ago, I was riding my bicycle and God often speaks to me when I'm riding my bicycle. Love riding my bike. Anyway, I was riding my bike and God said, write a book. I said, okay, fiction or non-fiction? And I felt God say, fiction. So I thought, oh, what can I write a fiction story about? I thought, I know. I, I'm a firm believer that the earth is young yeah, and that um, people lived before the flood with the dinosaurs. Um, lots of people disagree with me, lots of Christians disagree with me. Look, it's not a salvation issue, but I believe what's written in the Bible and that they, we've got a young earth. So I thought, well, what was the world like before the flood? And I believe it's very different. So I set a fiction story in that universe or, or what I thought that universe looked. And I wrote this book and, and then I put it online and nobody read it and I got discouraged. I sort of started another one and then I stopped. So I got discouraged but and nothing's happened with it. But hey, God still told me to write it so there must be a reason. So one day I'm sure God will get me to pick that up again and maybe today's the day. But yeah, so maybe pause the video now and discuss what has God told me to do 
that I'm now discouraged about doing and, and what do I need to consider picking up again. So yeah, pause the video, discuss it amongst yourselves. So the people had begun the work, they'd laid the foundations and they'd built an altar, but they hadn't completed God's temple. They hadn't built a place for the dwelling place of God. So along comes the prophet Haggai, and I'm going to read to you from chapter 1, verse 1. In the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, you know, an interesting thing about the book of Haggai is he's got four prophecies and he tells us to the very day when they were written. So this particular first prophecy was on Tuesday, the 29th of August, 520 BC. You see, most books in the Bible, we might get the year, but often we're just working with a, a, a rough time period. But this prophecy we know to the day when it was written. The word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Shetiel, the governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Jodazak, the high priest. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild their Lord's house. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is this a time for you yourselves to be living in panelled houses while this house is a ruin? They had started building, living in their own panelled houses, yet they had neglected the things of God. And I just want to relate that back to worship. You see, we can try and live thing, our lives for ourselves. We can try and do things for ourselves. But unless we put God in it, unless we, there's a place for God, things are not going to go well. And if we continue on the book of Haggai, we'll see that there's a reward for the obedience to rebuild the temple, but there's also consequences for them not rebuilding the temple. And that's actually my next message, which will be in two weeks time um, about that. So we're going to carry on that later, that conversation later. But today, just want to focus on the temple. I want to focus on the fact that we need to create a dwelling place for God in our lives. And, a, and we need to do that through worship, through praise, through prayer. Um, it says in Matthew chapter 6 verse 33 says this, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Words of Jesus, always good to remember Jesus and his words. So we need to seek God, we need to dwell in his presence, we need to worship him. I just want to pray for you now. Lord, I thank you for everyone who's watching this or listening to this. May they know your presence. Lord, may you dwell more and more in their lives. May they be found caught up in you, dwelling in your presence. Lord, we need your presence in all that we do. Uh, pray your every blessing upon us all. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thank you so much for watching. Um, if you haven't done already, please subscribe to our YouTube channel and, and hit the bell so you can see when we're putting new messages online. Thank you very much. Just going to leave you with my friend Rosemary singing a worship song, Come In Your Power, and I'll put a link to it down below. 
Jesus, we're broken. We've fallen on our knees. We cry out, please forgive us. To the Prince of Peace. And Father, we're broken. We've fallen on our knees. We cry out, please forgive us. You're the Prince of Peace.